Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the video cast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. And on today's episode, we have Barry, who's actually originally from the UK, just near Manchester. He's currently in Melbourne, Australia, but he lives in uh, Tasmania. I'm actually from Vancouver, BC, Canada. I'm here in Medellin, Colombia. So we have, uh, you know, a lot of nations covered just in the interview here itself. We're uh, glad to interview Barry about his website called tools of travel and we'll be covering a few different subjects to do with uh, long-term travel Barry's actually been traveling for 10 years continuously and we're gonna find out how he does that in terms of the money in terms of the destinations in terms of the travel hacking the travel blogging budget travel and much more so Barry uh, to start off with uh, why don't we get to know you a little bit better if you want to share a little bit more about yourself yep okay well cheers for having me on the podcast Ricky Um like you said I'm originally from the UK um, I haven't lived there in about 10 years, but, uh, but I originally come from a town called Crewe, which is about an hour south of Manchester. I mean, Crewe isn't really a big town. It's about 60,000 people. The only thing it's really famous for is it's where Bentley motor cars are made, and there's a big train station there. So most people know the town for Bentley or the train station. Um, so, I mean, I left school. I started working. Worked for about seven years, went to uni. After about sort of uh, got to about 2007, I decided, okay, I'll finish uni. Maybe I'll go traveling for a little bit. I liked traveling at that point, and I just really didn't end up returning. I returning to the UK. I just kept traveling, traveling, and um, yeah, eventually um, settled down in Australia, first in the Gold Coast, now in Tasmania. And I still travel for about six months of the year, so uh, I still travel quite a lot. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I like Asia. Asia is one of my favorite uh, destinations. I like the heat, which kind of asked me to, you know, ask the question, why have I moved to Tasmania? It's a little bit cooler there, but, uh, but you know, I also like hiking, so uh, I like the outdoors. Awesome. You know, what a journey you've been on, uh, you know, tra traveling for 10 years continuously and now really relocating yourself from the UK to Australia. I know you yep. were just in, like Bangkok, Thailand a couple of days ago. Uh, so yep. you're, really, you're really out there in terms of your travel. And I think that's definitely inspiring for a lot of our viewers and listeners uh, to, to, to do what you've done. Uh, for myself, I actually left uh, Vancouver, BC, Canada. Um, actually to travel when I was just out of university too and I traveled for seven years uh, at first I taught English in Japan and then I uh, traveled through Asia into India where my roots are from my ethnic roots uh, into like uh, Southeast Asia the Thailand the typical backpacker route Thailand, Laos, yeah. Vietnam, Cambodia, uh, Malaysia, Singapore, Indonesia into Philippines and then back to Indonesia then into East Timor then I actually made it over to your neck of the woods in Australia uh, went into yep. Darwin, then went overland into Cairns, down into Brisbane, and then from Brizzy down to Sydney, then over to uh, uh, Melbourne, and then I actually hopped over on the boat to Tasmania, and then from oh, yep. Tassie back to uh, Melbourne, and then from Melbourne to Adelaide, and then from Adelaide down to Perth, and on a train actually to Perth, and then from Perth all the way up to Broome, and then from Broome to Darwin to Alice Springs, uh, back to Sydney. So I actually did the whole perimeter and every single yep. state in uh, Australia. So I'm a big advocate of where you live. Uh, Tasmania, uh, yep. Tasmania is absolutely beautiful. Um, mm. So I'm curious about your journey. I kind of shared with you a little bit of my post-university journey. Uh, tell us yep. about where did, the, where did your life take you uh, in terms of the cities, countries, and destinations. Uh, tell us a little bit about the route 
that ended up that made you end up in uh, Australia? Yeah, yeah, sure. So originally, I actually um, came across the idea of Australia when I was at uni. They had like some travel expo, and it was one of these things where you could go to another country, you could kind of volunteer for three months, teach kids, or you know, they had lots of different options. And I remember it was about three thousand pounds for three months, or you could do twelve months, and it was something like ten thousand pounds. Now I was just finishing uni, you know, I had kind of had the student loans, and I was like, well, hang on a minute, you know, I don't really want to get in more debt. I could do this myself a lot cheaper. And what I actually did was, I first started off in France. I did a month in France to see if I would kind of like the travel lifestyle. You know, I went to various different towns. Um, from the north to the south and I was like okay okay they don't speak that much English there if I can cope in a country like France I can definitely cope in places like Australia and I was actually tossed up between Australia and Canada and the reason I chose Australia was just because it was warmer <laughs> and um, not, nothing against Canada but I just like the idea of the kind of beach lifestyle so I worked my way through Asia, ended up in Australia, did a working holiday there, really, really liked it, um, went traveling again for a little bit, and um, yeah, I ended up coming back to Australia. I got sponsorship through, uh, through a business sponsorship, and I ended up um, choosing Australia as my permanent base, getting my residency um, through my work, which was a few years ago now, and um, yeah, I mean, uh, once I got my residency, I was free to travel again and um, just carried on that sort of lifestyle. So, I mean, originally, my, my traveling was travel, work, travel, work. Whereas now, with the internet, you can travel and work online. So, it's a lot easier these days. Yeah, it's so funny you mentioned that because that's exactly what I did. I, uh, mm. I did a working holiday in England originally, uh, you know, where you're from. I was in London, uh, based in yep. Paddington, Waterloo area. And then uh, from there, I actually traveled to Europe after I'd saved up in, in England. And then uh, mm. uh, when I taught English in Japan, I actually saved up and traveled to Asia. And then I did a working holiday in Australia, and then I saved up and traveled to Australia. Uh, yeah. And, um, you know, obviously, like, uh, from Vancouver, we saved up to travel now on our, our world tour. Uh, we're currently in South America. And now I'm not only uh, relying on savings, but uh, we're actually able to generate, uh, you know, like a full-time income with uh, multiple streams, coaching, masterminding, uh, online yeah. courses. Uh, I, we have actually a big virtual summit coming up in November, teaching people how to be digital nomads. And, yeah, it's really a beautiful thing. I know you and me, uh, we're, we're not part of the millennial generation. Uh, we, we, it, yeah. we, grew up, we grew up without the Internet. And, uh, you know, like it's, it's amazing how travel has changed. Yes. the dawn of the internet with things like well, we're both passionate about things like couchsurfing.com and uh, you know mm -hmm. like a nomad working online even doing these kind of calls it wouldn't be possible when I first started traveling I wouldn't be able no. to be in Colombia talking to someone in Melbourne um, uh, through the miracle of technology so the internet is amazing for the power of connection the power of monetization um, yep. so, so Barry um, um, you're based in Australia uh, I would love to hear about some of your struggles as an expat in Australia because sometimes, uh, or not just sometimes, but often you'll see the good things on social media, the happy smiles, the posing by the mm -hmm. monument. But, but the reality be, 
behind them, a veneer is there are a lot of challenges, a lot of struggles, a lot of self-doubt, a lot of insecurities, a lot of even depression. Um, you know, tell us about the darker side of uh, your time in Australia. Maybe uh, if you have a story or some anecdotes to share. Sure. I mean, um, I mean, Australia is, is a quite funny place. It's very multicultural. Um, I mean, it can be quite hard when you first move there because, I mean, if you're looking for a job, if you want a traditional job, I mean, the problem I had was, yeah, if you're on a working holiday, it's like, okay, you've got a degree, but it's like, what visa do you want? I'm on a working holiday. Oh, sorry, we just want residents. So your jobs are kind of limited to these kind of fruit picking jobs, this kind of farm jobs, this factory jobs, the lower paid jobs. Um, having said that, once you get past that hurdle and once you become a resident, I mean, you can earn some good money in Australia and, um, and the culture's very sort of slower pace compared to say England. So it can be better further down the line, but when you first go here, you, I mean, you, you're going to be fruit picking, you're going to be working in a, a shop, a waitress, these kind of jobs. Some people won't want to even pay you minimum wage. They'll say, I will pay you $10 an hour, um, which is quite common, especially with um, non-English speakers. I mean, they can get, um, they can, you know, like people coming from sort of Taiwan or Korea or whatever. I mean, they can kind of get screwed on these kind of low paid jobs. So I'd say that is a struggle. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it does pay off eventually. You just have to be patient. And uh, by the way, uh, as I mentioned, I was in Australia, and uh, actually I was there for three years. I did a yep. one-year working holiday and then two years studying at a place called Hillsong in Sydney, in the, yep. um, kind of the Surrey Hills, um, Balkum Hills area. And um, while I was in Australia, I can definitely relate to what you're saying. If you're just on a working holiday, you get the crappy jobs. I was working yep. in a call center selling life insurance. And never, yep. never again, I'm so glad I'm not doing that anymore. Um, I yep. was working for Westpac, which is a major bank, uh, selling okay. life insurance for Westpac. Uh, and then, uh, and then after that, I was actually um, uh, working for charities, um, doing uh, frontlining, they call it, which is very, pretty much standing on the street, stopping people and asking them for the money for the charity. <laughs> so I did that for Save the Children, and I did that for United Nations High Commission for Refugees, UNHCR, and I did that for Greenpeace. Um, so I, I got really passionate about um, uh, refugee issues and uh, mm. children's issues and the environmental issues because I was working in the charities as a fundraiser. So uh, actually my time in Australia was kind of funny because um, it actually helped form my confidence because when you're standing in the middle of a busy street on uh, George Street and Sydney, Australia, and people passing you in the midst of rush hour, you get very confident because you get a lot of rejections, a lot of people saying no, a lot of people can't be bothered even stopping to listen. So it helped really form me. So um, Australia has been such a pivotal part of my journey. And I can see why you actually settled there because it's an amazing continent. I would say the major drawback is the location because it's so hard to go Definitely. anywhere from Australia without yep, yep. without killing your credit card, right? That's right. And I mean, over the past two well, say the past five years, there's more budget airlines flying to Australia. You've got Scoot and AirAsia, so it has become cheaper, but it's still eight hours to fly to Singapore or sort of Bangkok. It's still a long journey. And if I want to go home to England, it's like 24 to 27 hours. It's a killer. <laughs> 
Yeah, it is a killer indeed. And um, you know, the, I, I know you do things like uh, travel hacking. Uh, mm. You focus obviously on couch surfing, budget travel. So walk us yep. through um, you know, some of the ways you're actually able to travel so frequently in terms of the budget side of things, Barry. Yeah. So, I mean, originally when I first started traveling, I had no idea. I never had, you know, 10 years ago, I never had a credit card even. I, I come out of uni with just debit cards. And then um, I was taking these flights and... I, basically, I wasn't even a member of any airline program. And I started to do some research um, in about 2010. And I joined um, the, like one of the major airlines here is Virgin Australia. So I joined Virgin Australia. I got a credit card. And I started to do loads of research at the start, almost a little bit becoming obsessed with like, okay, they're affiliated to these companies. These companies, like, sometimes I would use, you know, to book hotels. I mean, like, they're affiliated with a gold room, places like this, which I was booking hotels. So I was like, okay, well, I can use the credit card to get points, and I can also book the hotel and get points. I can use it for flights. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's just about sort of changing your habits on spending. I mean, it, it's not exactly high-tech science. It's just about you know, being sensible with what you spend and sort of uh, when you shop online, can you get better points? Can you get triple points? Can you get sort of quadruple po points and so on? And uh, slowly, I mean, the points build up and yeah, I mean, I'm able to fly to sort of places for free now. So because, you know, over time I've accumulated the points and um, yeah, I can travel. I think last year I took about six free flights. So, yeah, not every flight is free, but it helps, definitely. And like so, you said, I also use Couchsurfing. Yes. Um, I saw your interview with the founder um, of Couchsurfing, and I think you said you started about 2004. I was slightly later. I was 2012. Um, I actually started hosting first before I started traveling. It was actually hosting for six months before I... Um, actually surf for the first time but um about two years ago i traveled for 18 months straight and i used couch surfing like literally every city i went to i yeah i mean it was really really helpful and um, for traveling on a budget it's helpful to meet new people i also went to the meetings so i'm a big big fan of couch surfing and i did enjoy your interview Oh, thanks for that. Yeah, it was a great interview. I had the opportunity to uh, uh, connect with Casey. And uh, you, you'll be surprised how many people say yes. And, you know, if you think you're starting your own podcast or videocast and you're thinking, like, who would, who would be on my show? And at first I was that way. I was like, who should I interview? And all of a sudden I started uh, asking some bigger names, like people like, uh, you know, Yaro Sterek or John Chow who are making multi-millions, uh, people like, um, you know, Gary Arndt. Or um, Eric, um, what's her name? Aaron, uh, Aaron Bender uh, from Travel with Bender. Now explore with uh, Aaron. And uh, some of these uh, these people are bigger names in the travel industry. And you'll be surprised how willing they are just to say yes and be on the show. And uh, it was great to interview the founder, Casey Fenton, about yeah. the Couchsurfing story. Uh, so make sure you actually uh, check out that interview. Uh, I'll have a link below to the uh, the Couchsurfing story uh, interview. Um, so Barry, um, one of the big questions I think people have is how do you fund the travels? You've covered uh, things like couchsurfing, which allows you to sleep for free. You covered things yeah. like um, uh, travel hacking, which allows you to travel for free, even uh, get some hotels for free through points and miles. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious to know about the other side of the income generation side of things. So how are you able to fund uh, the income? Yeah. Uh, 
fund the travels for your multiple streams of income. Sure, sure. Yeah, so I fund my lifestyle in two ways. So, I mean, the first way is through the blog, which you mentioned, toolsoftravel.com. And my second um, source of income is I own an e-commerce store selling auto parts. So, um, so, yeah, I run my own store and also with my blog. So, I mean, with the blog, it's sort of traditional sort of ways, which I'm not sure you might have covered before. I mean, you've got your sort of uh, sponsorships. So that's travel-related companies which actually pay you or at least give you a free stay. So, for example, when I was in Thailand recently, I went to uh, about one hour north of Chiang Mai. Um, I was there for about a week and a half. And um, I was working with a company called Farm Stay Asia. And they basically uh, sent me to all these farms, which were based in the mountain. And you learn about how they sort of grow coffee beans, um, how they grow avocados, basically all this kind of natural sort of farming stuff. And you stay on the farm. Now, um, so these kind of trips, like I said, sometimes they'll be free, sometimes they're paid for. Also on the travel blog, I mean, um, I've got the usual sort of affiliates like Amazon is pretty much the biggest one in the world. So if I'm using a product, I'll sort of say, hey, you know, I've been using this product for two years. I'll talk about it and yeah, I'll put a link and okay, it doesn't generate a lot of income, but occasionally people will buy that product. Um, the same with um, if I'm staying at some accommodation, I'll put a link to say booking.com or Agoda. People will, uh, will occasionally book the hotel room. You will learn about I don't know, it's maybe 4 or 5% commission, I can't remember. But, you know, it all sort of adds up. And then you've got Google AdWords as well. I've got a few little Google ad adverts on my website which generate money each day. So uh, through the blogging side, I mean, that, that's the way that I earn money from the blogging. Through my e-commerce store, I mean, just by selling products. It's, it's, it's very simple. The more products you sell, the more money you make. So. Yeah, you know, uh, thanks for breaking it down. Uh, you know, we've covered a lot of the travel blogging side of things, uh, things like sponsored mm. posts, advertising, Google AdSense, uh, uh, affiliate mm. links. Uh, I'm curious about the e-commerce store. Uh, we've had a few interviews about that, uh, but walk us through that journey in terms of starting your e-commerce store. Uh, how long ago did you start it? Um, and yep. uh, talk about the the income side of things. Uh, you know, obviously it wasn't. Uh, um, obviously lucrative right at the beginning. So walk us through the, the curve upwards. Yeah, yeah, sure. So the e-commerce store is actually um, quite new. I started it about a year ago. Now, I just finished traveling for a year and a half and around that time, you know, I was, I was doing my blogging, but uh, I was also doing a little bit of online work. So uh, um, a little bit of freelancing, the money wasn't too good. So I, I kind of thought to myself, okay, I need to start earning a little bit better source of income. What can I do? And I knew e-commerce because I'd worked um, in the past for some e-commerce stores. So I kind of knew the, the basic layout. Um, I knew how to design the store. I knew about the sales side. So um, when I finished traveling, I came back to Australia and I sort of settled down and I just, yeah, I started building the store and um, it took me about a week or so to get the layout right, to add the products and um, I obviously got some stock to sell and I would say the first sale was actually quite quick. I think I made the first sale within three days. 
Um, the first month or two was generally selling three or four products a week. And then it started over time, three or four products a day, 10 products a day. I also um, used eBay as a tool. Um, with eBay, you have to pay fees. So, I mean, the, the profit margin is much, but you know, there is a lot of customers on eBay. So I think it's important not to neglect eBay as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, after a year, I mean, it, it's pretty much, I, I could just focus on that if I wanted to um, as my source of income. It, but uh, yeah, I mean, in regards to software platforms, I mean, I've got experience with um, Volusion, with Neato, but I ended up choosing WordPress, which is the same as my blog. I mean, I find that that's quite easy for the basic store. So anybody who's looking to start an e-commerce store, maybe start with, with WordPress stuff with it. It's probably cheaper. And then yeah, as the store grows, you can look at the bigger big companies like Volusion or Neto or whoever else. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I hope, hopefully it answers your question. Yeah, no, it, it definitely does. I mean, I, I'm glad uh, you, you walked us through that. And, and it's, uh, it's fairly new, so that's impressive that you built it up so quickly. Um, what, mm. what, are, what, are, what are some of the elements of uh, the e-commerce story which you feel have led you to the success? Uh, you mentioned um, eBay. Um, what, are, what are some of the ways you market uh, yourself? Is it social media, email marketing? Uh, tell us about how you actually generate the sales. Uh, is it Google, uh, SEO, etc.? Yeah, yeah. So um, I uh, studied a lot of detail um, about SEO before I started the store. I mean, I was probably studying SEO for about a year before I started the store. So I was, um, one of my favorite websites at the time was Backlinko which um, I think he's Brian, somebody, I can't remember his name, but he's big on keywords. So with the e-commerce store, I focus on a niche product. So it's very, very specific, like um, particular car part. And I focus a lot on keywords. So um, getting on the top page on the, in Australia was important. Um, also, you know, in Australia, there's not so much competition. So I think it's easy to say, the, the US and England, where there's a lot more competition, um, possibly Europe too. So I found that I was able to get on the first page for particular products quite easy. So um, I didn't even need to, to spend too much money on advertising. Um, obviously with eBay, eBay is quite easy. I mean, um, it's probably more of a price game with eBay, making sure you're priced right, because if there's competition, normally they'll go for the cheapest one. So it's about not being overpriced, but also still being able to make a profit. So, I mean, I was quite lucky. I didn't need to spend too much money on advertising. With the car parts industry, social media is a bit so-so. I mean, I, I am on social media, but you don't need to sort of be on there every day, just every now and again. Some great tips there. Um, I, I had a chance to look at your blog, uh, a pre-interview, and I noticed you have an amazing resolution. A lot of us set resolutions, and we uh, don't always follow through. Uh, those of us who want to get healthy and then by the 21st day, we'll cancel a gym membership. Uh, I think that's a common story with us resolution creators. Uh, you actually have an amazing resolution uh, to read 52 books in this year. And uh, we live in a day and age of the internet where a lot of us don't read books anymore just because we're glued to our technology and that's a form of hobby where we're reading articles or blog posts. Uh, so the, the, the book model of reading a traditional book is kind of dying. 
sadly, uh, but obviously Kindle, Amazon, um, you know, um, um, what are those devices called, like tablets where you can read, um, yep. et cetera, are, are picking up. Uh, walk us through that journey. Uh, and, and actually, I want to trace it back a little bit more. You actually have been doing resolutions for about five years. Walk us through the annual resolutions, because I know you document them on the blog, and I found it quite interesting. Yep. So walk us through those all the way back from the beginning, the first resolution, to this one about the 52 books. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, I'm, um, I think the tradition of resolutions is, is quite popular in England. So, I mean, you always get to Christmas, New Year, and you always have a New Year's resolution, which normally tends to be something like eat less, eat healthier, you know, go to the gym, maybe buy a house or change your financial situation. So it's always these um, generic goals. So, um yeah, I mean, for the past few years, I mean, obviously one of my goals originally was to travel more. And what I did was, you know, I kind of figured out how I could travel more. Like you said, the travel hacking side, couch seven, you can save money on one side, you can save money on the other. You know, um, so originally one of my goals was to travel more. Um, then as I started getting in my 30s, I started getting a little bit of fat around the stomach. So it's like, okay, I need to work out a little bit more and um, maybe eat a little bit healthier. I've got a big sweet tooth. I really, really like ice cream. Um, I like chocolate and it's kind of hard to resist those things. Um, also sitting there behind a desk, well, not behind a desk, but behind a laptop all day, you can get a little bit lazy. So yeah, I mean, next resolution was to train a little bit more, to uh, eat a little bit healthier. Um, and believe it or not, my resolution uh, in 2016, so the end of 2015, 2016, because I'd been traveling for a year and a half constantly, even though I travel slow, I spend most, most of the time uh, one month in each country. Uh, but I started to get a little bit of burnout constantly traveling for that long I, I was like okay 2016 I'm going to settle in one place and I'm going to set up my e-commerce store so my resolution for 2016 was actually to travel less I think I only went to four countries in 2016 so it, it was actually quite a good resolution compared to 15 2015 I think I went to 18 countries so um, and then finally this year 2017 my resolution was to read more to read 52 books. Now, I've always been a big fan of reading. Um, I've read ever since I was a kid. And even when I was traveling in 2008, I actually took 10 books with me. My backpack was like bulging, splitting at the seams with these big books. Um, we're quite lucky now that you don't need to carry those books. You can read online, like you say, you can read on tablets, you can download books from Amazon or wherever um, you want to download them from. Um, but yeah, I mean, I like to challenge myself. So, um, I mean, last year I kind of thought I was quite busy on setting up the business. I was busy doing a lot of things. I didn't read as many books as I thought I could. It was it was actually probably about 25 books, but to me it just didn't seem enough. So, um, I've, I've read, you know, you could do a book a week quite easily. Um, so I thought, why not? I mean maybe it could work maybe it couldn't but I thought why not try so I set myself the challenge to read 52 books um, I actually put the books on my website when I've read them and um, so people can see what I'm reading and um, 
I still listen to podcasts. I still read a lot of blog posts. I st- still do a lot of things, which maybe I should kind of cut down on so I can focus on the books, especially when you're traveling. But the good thing is, you know, when you're at a train station, waiting for a train, you can read your book. When you're waiting for your flight, you can read your book. Um, whenever you've got some downtime when you're traveling, you can read the book. So, um, so sometimes I'll just go like on a mass, um, a mass reading spree. Like I was in Singapore six weeks ago waited i had a day a day half a day waiting i just went to the library and just read a book in like five hours so just like smashed it out so um so you can read um but it's a yeah you just have to uh set some time i like to read a little bit before i go to bed as well maybe 20 minutes a half an hour so the big question is what is your favorite book of all time and also what is your favorite book out of the 52 books uh, that you're on the journey to reading i know you haven't read all 52 of them yet uh but uh you're probably about the halfway point so um what is your favorite book of all time and the favorite book so far in this resolution journey yep yep well one of my favorite books i would say um i actually like the book um, called vagabonding by rolf potts I mean, I remember reading that um, before I started traveling um, as like a guide, and I've probably read that about four times now. And, um, you know, it's not a big book. It's not, not a very long book. But, uh, um, yeah, that kind of laid the foundation of, of, for me on how to travel because when I was looking on traveling, there was all these things you had to consider, you know, like visas, what do you pack, is it safe, all these things which when you first start traveling just seem to you know overload your brain like once you travel for a bit they, they're not that big obstacles but when you uh, don't know about them it seems like a lot and I remember reading this book and I was like wow you know it just put my mind at ease and um, I thought you know it, it doesn't seem that hard so, so yeah it's probably one of my favorite books um, Vagabonding by Rolf Potts and um, my favorite book of this year, I would say I quite like um, Tim Ferriss's Tools of Titans. Um, it was a long book. I must admit, I struggled to read it in under a week. I, I, re- I think it's about 800 pages. I really, really struggled. I, I, really, um, I really enjoyed that book because it interviews different people in different fields covers all the usual sort of Tim Ferriss stuff like morning routines and what motivates people. He gets people, you know, athletes, gymnasts, teachers, ex-Navy SEALs, like just people from all walks of life and and sort of says like what makes them successful. Um, I'd say that was my favorite book. Maybe uh, my second favorite book was actually Van Diemen's Land, which was a book about the history of Tasmania, which I read the first week when I moved to Tasmania. So uh, so I do like history as well. I should have mentioned when I travel, I, I do like history and it really annoys my girlfriend because I will drag her to museums for three hours and she will be bored senseless. <laughs> and you know, you mentioned vagabonding. I think that's the Bible of a lot of us who travel constantly and continuously. Is uh, That was a really foundational book when I was a backpacker in my 20s. Uh, and yep. now it's still, uh, you know, a bestseller for people in 2017 as we're doing this interview. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm curious um, about um, tools of travel because you mentioned tools of titans, and it's kind of funny that's your favorite yep. book because it's very similar to your own site called Tools of Travel. Um, is, so yeah. um, tell us more about the site in terms of what are the major 
topics. I, I, I was actually looking at it before this interview, and there's a lot of content. I was actually pre-impressed by the amount of articles, the amount of different topics you cover. I'm actually yeah. uh, just uh, – I pulled it up, actually, while – while we're doing this interview, and it's amazing, uh, you're covering transport and accommodation and destinations and yep. uh, travel gear and interviews with travelers and uh, you know just kind of philosophy of travel, the travel lifestyle. Um, so I'm super impressed by what you've built up in terms of the content. Um, mm. Walk us through, uh, you know, why did you pick the name too? It's kind of a creative name. What are the tools of travel? Yep, sure, sure. So, I mean, I was traveling for a few years before I started my blog. I actually started the blog in 2014. And, you know, at that time, I was kind of talking to people about how I travel. You know, people were joking, like, oh, you should change your name to, like, Barry Holiday because you're always traveling somewhere. And um, they were like, oh, you should start a blog. And, you know, I kind of worked with websites before on the e-commerce side, so I kind of knew a little bit about websites. But... Uh, I started the blog with no real end goal on what I wanted to do. I think like most people, it was like, okay, you enjoy travel, you should start a travel blog. And I chose tools of travel just because I'm a little bit of a gear freak. I like these little gadgets. I like stuff, you know, where these little tools where you can do, you know, if you can get something that's lighter, if it can do two or three different tasks, then... Um, you know, I, I kind of love this sort of stuff. And at that time, you know, I was uh, always buying some latest travel gadgets. So I was like, okay, I'll call it Tools of Travel. And um, so, yeah, I mean, when I first started out, I was just running about everything. You know, like I had no set goal. I was just like, okay, I'm at some random backstreet gym in Vietnam. Um, it's got no roof. You're just lifting weights. And I just write a blog post about that. Um, I'd write about, you know, sort of, traveling on some bus somewhere and um you know as the website got a little bit older you know i started to focus more on the long-term side of travel Um i started like you say doing the interviews getting all the travelers to talk about how they travel similar to like you do um so yeah i mean um, it's kind of evolved i mean like you said there's a lot of content and it's funny you said that because i'm actually uh, trying to rearrange it into a more sort of user-friendly uh, layout at the moment because, like I said, in the past it was all just random, just random blog posts. Um, you know, there is a little bit about hiking. I do talk about sort of working out while I travel. Um, I'm a big fan of, you know, running. Running's free. It's cheap. You can run anywhere on the beach. Um, you can go to the park. You can work out for free. Um also, you know, saving money. I haven't really talked too much about travel hacking, which is something I want to do in the future. I did mention it briefly in one post, and some some of my uh, some of my readers have started to ask me questions, um, which actually is another part of the blog. Earlier this year, I mean, I started to publish some of the questions, which I plan to do more of later this year, because as the blog gets busier, people email you, you know, for advice. And uh, I think it's good to sort of share that advice and uh, so everybody else can sort of uh, get tips on how to travel, basically. Well, since it is called Tools of Travel and since you mentioned your gadget key, I can't help but asking you what are some of your favorite travel gear and gadgets? Yep, yep, sure, sure. Um, 
I was actually pretty bad. When I first started traveling, I was pretty bad. I, I took a little travel line with me and everybody teased me. Like every hostel I went to when I was traveling, they're like, what the hell? You know, you, why, are you, why are you carrying this little iron? And I was like, you know, well, uh, growing up in England, we know we have to have uh, non-creased clothes. <laughs> and I kind of thought that was something I kind of need, which seems funny now. But, um, you know, fast forward to sort of today, I mean, I, I really like the, there's a product called the Life Straw, which is a portable water filter. I take that hiking everywhere. It's like, you know, about this big. And um, I literally travel with that everywhere. Um, I mean, apart from electronics like a laptop, smartphone, I mean, um, a travel adapter is a must. Um, for a long time, I took about six or seven of these little plugs, and they just got so annoying that I've just got one now, which will work anywhere in the world. Um, so, so that's a must. Um, I mean, even stuff like lightweight clothing. Um, if you plan on traveling a lot and you don't have access to washing machines, stuff like merino wool, it's expensive, costs you like four to six times the price of a cotton t-shirt, but you can wear it longer without, um, without getting the sort of uh, stinky sort of backpacker smell. Um, if you're going to hot countries, a pair of uh, decent flip-flops is a must, or or fungs as it's called in Australia. Um, but traveling light is a big thing. I mean, if, if you have to carry your stuff in a backpack, I mean, just getting lightweight um, lightweight stuff, I mean, don't go crazy as well. Just don't take too much. Like, I mean, I think when I first went traveling, my backpack was like 20 kgs. I actually broke the strap at the airport. One of the straps bust when I was um, in Dubai. And uh, I learned that lesson to, to not take so much stuff quite quickly. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, um, obviously, I mean, I haven't got any hair, so you have to take a cap if you go into hot countries, sunglasses, suntan cream, otherwise, you know, I've got fair skin, I'll get, uh, fair skin, I'll get burnt. So um, if you go into Asia, you know, a lightweight jacket because it's going to rain. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just about taking essentials and a few little extras. I mean, I do like tea, but over the past few years, living in Australia, I've really started to get into coffee. So I actually have a little AeroPress, which is a little coffee press. That was probably one of my gadgets I use the most every day and one that most people are surprised about. Um, so, yeah, I have my cup of coffee every morning. Um, no milk, no sugar, just, just black coffee. And so I've got my little AeroPress. And, uh, you know, that's probably one of my... Uh, I must take gadgets, surprisingly. But no no iron anymore. I got rid of the iron. So. <laughs> <laughs> you came full circle to trade in the iron for a coffee you were making. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I definitely agree with you about the traveling light. Uh, when I first started backpacking, I, I went to <laughs> Europe, as I mentioned. Uh, as most people do, they do their first trip to Europe or Southeast Asia. And uh, most of us, we carry too much. We carry sleeping yep. bags and linens and like too many clothes and too many what-if scenarios. And you realize the what-if scenarios can actually solve themselves by buying stuff yep. on the road. That's right. And there's shops everywhere. I mean, there's, unless you go into the mountains or you go on some hiking trip, I mean, you will find shops which sells stuff. Okay, it might not be the brand or, or the certain one you want, but you guarantee that, you know, there'll be some cheaper version or some similar version. So, uh, Barry, as we wind up this interview, I'm curious about your vision. Uh, you're based now in yep. Tasmania, Tasmania and Australia. You've traveled yep. continuously 
for 10 years, seen a lot of the world. Um, you know, obviously you have a great blog, uh, you have the e-commerce store, you're expert in the area of like, uh, you know, um, hacking light and travel gear, uh, travel hacking, etc. cetera. Uh, what does the future hold in terms of the next few months, next few years and beyond? So pull out your crystal ball and share it with us today. Yep. So, I mean, in, in about two and a half weeks, I'll be heading back to Asia, um, to Indonesia, Vietnam, and Taiwan. And um, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, my vision for myself is to, to keep up traveling for as long as I can. I mean, like at the moment, I probably travel for about six months a year, which is a good balance between getting work done and traveling for me. I find if I travel more than that, I kind of affect my work a little bit. If I travel less, I get a little bit bored. So it is a good sort of um, halfway point. Um, for my blog, I mean, yeah, I mean, to just uh, keep keep cranking out the articles, to keep um, interacting with all the bloggers, with all the travelers, with, I'm sorry, with all the readers, you know, where, like I said, I want to sort of get more um, travel questions on there, I mean, over the next year. And, um, yeah, I mean, to just keep enjoying myself, keep enjoying myself and, and, and traveling as much as I can. And um, hopefully to get to South America, you know, where, where you are at some point, to, uh, to explore more South America. And, um, yeah, so that, that's probably the next, over the next year. I mean, uh, that's my goals. Well, hey, thanks for sharing. Uh, you know, you've been a wealth of info and insights into travel, and uh, you know, you have the amazing site, Tools of Travel. I know people are going to definitely check that out after this interview. So, uh, to end off with, uh, how can people connect with you? Uh, share with us uh, your e-commerce store, your travel blog, and any other social media that you want to plug away at. Yeah, sure. So, my e-commerce store is clocksprings.com.au. So, I mean, uh, that's the, the auto part store. For my uh, blog, like you said, toolsoftravel.com. Um, for social media, Facebook, tools, um, Facebook at toolsoftravel.com. Twitter, toolsoftravel.com. Instagram, toolsoftravel. Sorry, toolsoftravel, no.com. So, yeah, if you just search by Tools of Travel, you should find me on any social media. You made it easy for us, Barry, and I think that's the, one of the best things about branding yourself is if you can have the same um, you know, username across all social yeah. media. So good on, you, good on you for getting those. Uh, toolsoftravel.com and tools of travel across the World Wide, World Wide Web and all the social media. Yep, no problem. And I'll have those links below, so if you're interested in the e-commerce store and maybe asking Barry some questions about how you can actually set up your own e-commerce business, it's obviously a great way of developing a passive residual income stream and, um, you know, uh, keep continuously traveling like Barry is. Now he's traveling six months of the year and uh, based in Tassie for the next, uh, that is six. Uh, so best of luck to you over there in Australia and I hope our paths cross, maybe in South America or maybe somewhere else in this beautiful world that we both inhabit. Sure, sure. Uh, so thanks everyone for tuning in to this episode of Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the videocast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. <laughs>